Welcome to Energy Central's Power Perspectives Podcast, the show where we discuss the future of the energy and utility industry, dig deeper to get to the heart of issues that matter most to the power sector, and hear from all of you who make it possible. I'm your host, Jason Price of West Monroe and Community Ambassador with Energy Central. Joining me from Orlando, Florida is Matt Chester, Energy Central's Community Manager and producer of this podcast. Matt, how are you doing today? Hi, Jason. I'm excited once again to dive into uh, another episode of the podcast with you. Today's episode will be a little different as we close the chapter on 2020, a rather tumultuous year in the utility industry and beyond. We want to reflect on all that's happened by looking back at the past 12 months of podcast episodes as a year in review. We've officially produced over two dozen podcast episodes featuring guests from the C-suite at utilities to academics studying the future of energy to industry solution providers who are creating new opportunities in the power markets and utility industry. While the majority of our guests came from the U.S., we did feature guests in international utility markets. While we won't be covering all the episodes published over the past year, both Matt and I dug through the podcast archives of the Power Perspective's first full year to highlight a few of the more notable discussions that served as great examples of what all of us and the energy and utility industry have endured these past 12 months. We actually launched the Power Perspectives podcast in December of 2019 with Dan Yerman, a nuclear engineer formerly of Idaho National Labs, where he not only described advancements in molten salt nuclear reactors, but as a chili connoisseur, he shared his secret recipe for subatomic nuclear chili that he serves over Thanksgiving. Jason, for those who missed this episode, what exactly does a chili recipe have to do with utilities? Why was that featured in the debut episode? Well, let's take a listen in to hear from Dan himself. The interesting uh, metaphor here is that the railhead that goes to the Idaho National Lab from Blackfoot, Idaho, which is where the Union Pacific Spur comes up from Salt Lake City, is called Scoville. Now, the interesting thing is that the way you measure heat in terms of red pepper, which horse goes in chili, uh, is the Scoville scale. So um, this was a sort of uh, uh, interesting uh, juxtaposition of the word Scoville. Uh, and uh, I decided that, uh, you know, Idaho nuclear chili would be the way to go. Now, the chili recipe is very clear that you would cease this to taste. And just because it's called nuclear chili doesn't mean that it's going to uh, be, uh, you know, white hot in terms of uh, its impact on your taste buds. It simply means that's the legacy of where it came from. It came from a nuclear engineering uh, site, which is where it was developed, and where it was first cooked. So that's kind of the legacy. That was a great reminder. And I thought having Dan share about his recipe with us was a great first episode. It really showed that despite being a podcast for utility professionals in the know, we weren't going to focus just on the wonky and hard to understand topics. Instead, we really wanted to bring some levity and showcase the personality that goes behind the expertise of our energy expert guests. That's right. As another example in our second episode, we had the ever-popular Lincoln Blevins of Burbank Water and Power on the episode where he talked about the need for new leadership in the industry and even wrote an article he published on Energy Central called, Matt, do you remember the article's title? Yes, I do. It was called Water Skiing with Churchill and Lessons in Utility Leadership. And while that title makes it sound like a joke, and of course it was tongue-in-cheek and Lincoln meant to get our listeners' attention, he covered the important topic of the human side of utilities. We're not just about the high-level assessment of utilities, the technology on the grid, 
but we're speaking to the people at utilities. And in this clip, Lincoln talks about what it means to lead that utility workforce today and how it's transforming and hiring differently. Let's take a listen. Oh, you know, when you think about leadership, ultimately your utility is as good as its employees. Um, you can have all the resources in the world. You can have all the, um, uh, um, you know, balance sheet in the world. But if you don't have employees who um, are each each one of them leaning into the challenges and solving problems for customers and challenging assumptions, um, you're you're not going to succeed. And one of the things that I'm finding is as a 52-year-old, um, I, I cringe when I admit that, but um, a bald 52-year-old, is that, you know, as, as we're hiring, we have to think about hiring differently. We have to think about recruitment differently. We have to think about professional development and coaching and uh, retention differently, uh, about motivations differently. Um, the folks that, that the younger folks that I've been uh, talking to and hiring are much more mission driven. And I'm, I'm thrilled that that lines up with what we do here at BWP, but we have to communicate that. And we have to reinforce, reinforce that. We have to walk the walk and not just talk the talk. Yes, both clever and insightful. What other themes jumped out to you over the course of the last year, Matt? Any other episodes you can think of? Well, the first major topic that comes to mind is the digital transformation of the grid. We had a few guests talk about what was possible using digital technologies that weren't around in the past. For example, here's where Bill Meehan of Esri talks about the intersection of automated drones and GIS or geographical information systems and how that likely would have sounded like nonsense to even the most seasoned utility veteran just 15 years ago. Let's take a listen. So this notion of imagery that I talked about earlier that hasn't been really, uh, that has been used for a long time. And we're seeing that drones now are able to capture imagery at a much higher, higher level of um, uh, resolution, for one thing, they can get a lot closer. When we think about looking at a drone for uh, collecting data about a transmission line, well, transmission lines are really high voltage, and you really can't get that close to them. But drones, we can get really close. And I think as we see more and more drones or more and more utilities using drones uh, and getting exceptions for the, you know, the line of sight, because that's basically kind of what the limiting factor for drones is today. You kind of have to have line of sight for the drones. As we see that being that, that kind of requirement being either exempted or loosened, we're going to see drones really essentially take off. And they're going to be capturing all this imagery. And then with that and advanced image processing, we're going to be, see some dramatic uh, digital transformation. Bill's excitement for the topic sure is palpable, uh, and I don't believe he was the only one that brought up GIS on our podcast, right, Matt? That's right. We also had the pleasure of hearing from Linda Stevens of 51 by 1 share about the way GIS can help prevent the worst-case scenarios in utilities from natural disasters, using the recent wildfires in California as an example. Let's take a listen to that clip, too. Well, um, we can, the one that's that comes to mind in, in, in terms of the electrical network is the, the recent fires in California. That, that problem, when you think about it, 
traditionally, you know, has been we have you have your, um, you know, tree trimming crews, vegetation management's in one department. You have the distribution network folks in a different department. You have SCADA transmission, all that in different departments, kind of siloed. And they each have, you know, automated their data, but um, and they're maybe getting real time data in, but it's not integrated, integrated across the, the, the systems. So one of the powers of geospatial technology is to in integrate disparate data sets based on where they're located. So being able to take in data about, you know, risk areas, wind information, weather information, network data, as well as asset data from your ERP system, bringing all of that together to model, you know, where is the likely hotspots, where, where do I need to shut power off because of the wind event? Um, where can I, when can I turn it back on? How do I notify the public? How do I manage all that? And then not only that, how do I replay that so that I can go and re, um, uh, reassess my vegetation management process so that I really am targeting those areas that are in the high risk areas with real detailed data, not just, you know, sort of high level information going in and being able to do um, strategic management of my network. All of that information is coming from a geospatial system. Safety of the utilities in the face of natural disasters is, of course, critical. So it's great to hear how the digital utility transformation can help address those issues. Any final topics you want to mention that stick out to you, Matt? Well, I feel it would be a disservice to not mention how many of our episodes this year touched on the critical topic of climate change and how utilities can and should play a role. We heard from Charles Bayless, a retired utility executive, share his vision of throwing the whole kitchen sink at the climate issue. We also talked with Mitchell Beer of the Energy Mix as he compared and contrasted Canada's response with that of the United States. And when I last talked with him, he was busy tracking many different leads in that space, a potential green recovery from COVID, a revised Canadian national fuel standard, the debates in Canadian provinces about moving away from the fossil fuel economy, and more. But climate is a thread that really weaves through many of the episodes, even if that's not outwardly the topic. So I definitely encourage our listeners to take a look through our catalog and see where else they see such themes. But enough about my memory, Jason. You're the host. I want to hear you talk about your favorite episodes and most memorable moments from the first year plus of the podcast. <laughs> not fair, Matt. You're asking me to choose among my children. No, seriously, all were terrific. However, I will give a nod to Joy Ditto, CEO of the American Public Power Authority. We spoke to Joy in July, four months into the pandemic. Joy had stepped into the CEO role back in January, so talk about baptism by fire. We've caught up with her since then, and she continues to have her plate filled with a record-breaking storm season on top of the pandemic response with the public power industry weathered thanks to mutual aid and dedicated professionals, as well as advocating for advancement in grid security, debt relief for public power customers, impacted by COVID, and much, much more. So earlier this year, though, Joy joined us for episode 16 of the show, we titled, How Public Power is Leading the Utilities. Given her new role, we asked her how prepared were the utilities for the pandemic. Here's what Joy had to say. Electric utilities actually did plan for and have plans in place for pandemic response. We actually, as a, as a total industry, not just public power, but specifically public power, we 
plan for what are called high impact, low frequency events, such as pandemics. Another example of a high impact, meaning it could have a really negative impact if it happens, but it's very rare. That's kind of the definition of high impact, low frequency. Another example of that would be for example, a solar flare that might cause damage to our systems or an electromagnetic pulse. While we try to mitigate against those eventualities uh, in advance, there could still be potentials that we aren't able to deal with. So there's plans in place for those types of situations. There has been work around pandemics in our industry. So most people had pandemic plans in place. Wow, it really is hard to imagine being someone in such a high leadership position during a time when so many customers, employees, and peers are worrying about how to handle these really unprecedented events. Luckily for us, the industry is filled with immensely talented people who are poised to step up. And Jason, even more luckily for you and me, we've had the privilege of speaking with some of them during this past year. That's right. In August, as we slogged through an uncertain summer stuck in place, was when we had the opportunity to talk to one of the most distinguished female CEOs in the utility industry. Since our podcast, Patty Poppy announced that she was leaving the state of Michigan and Consumers Energy and will be heading to California to assume the role of CEO at PG&E. But before that, she was our podcast guest. Matt, I was impressed at how transparent and personal Patty was when she described tragedies she faced during the early weeks of the pandemic. But I want to focus on is her mission-driven work and the three Ps of people profit and planet that will certainly carry forward as she takes the helm in her new role. Let's take a listen. You know, Jason, some companies and many, frankly, business school graduates believe that there's only one bottom line, shareholder return. And instead, we at CMS and at Consumers Energy believe there is a triple bottom line. And that is the most sustainable business model. You know, we believe that when a company serves people, the planet and profit, great outcomes for all of our stakeholders are possible. When we share this message publicly, actually, I'm always surprised that people are surprised to hear me say it. It's always received well, and I think people are actually hungry for businesses to be a force for good. And increasingly, our investors are asking for the same commitment to ESG, environmental, social, and governance practices. And so, I believe our triple bottom line is exactly what ESG investors are looking for. Truly inspiring, Jason. And Patty wasn't the only one of our guests from this past year who's seen some big career moves since we spoke with them, right? That's right. For example, we chatted with John Armstrong when he was leading a team working on ammonia and other alternative fuels at Eon. But he's since moved on to an exciting new role as Chief Operating Officer at the British Pipeline Agency, accepting the role so he could enable that critical part of the UK energy transition. He also noted that he's used the COVID-19 lockdown as an opportunity to produce a book about the future of energy. We've also seen some companies run by some of our podcast guests make significant moves this past year. For example, we talked with Matt Dusterberg, co-founder of Ohm Connect and saw the recent news that the company received a $100 million investment to ramp up their growth in smart meters and demand flexibility. Similarly, early on the podcast, we talked with Rami Reshef, CEO of GenCell Power. GenCell shared with us that they recently went public with an IPO on the Tel Aviv Stock Exchange, and that other exciting news for them was just around the corner. So keep an eye on them. 
goes to show all the movers and shakers we've had as guests, Jason. Even those who haven't made splashy moves to new companies have been quite busy. I talked with Will Gorman, our guest from Lawrence Berkeley National Lab, who shared he was able to participate in a FERC technical conference on hybrid power, which included a one-on-one -on -one chat with FERC Commissioner Richard Glick. Dick Brooks, another early one of our guests, mentioned that he's been hard at work on the energy industry proof of concept for a software bill of materials, as he seeks to use the Energy Central Network and his other resources to advance the level of cybersecurity on the grid. And one other that comes to mind is our friend John Benson, who has diligently spent his time during the lockdown keeping tabs on the progress of the vaccines, being sure to share what he's learned with the Energy Central community along the way. The busyness of our guests, I think, goes to show the high quality of participants we've had thus far. Indeed, Matt. And to hammer that point home, the final interview we did this year that stood out for me was emblematic of what this industry is all about. From our leadership series a little more than a month ago, we interviewed Robert Schwartz, CEO of Enterix, and Gil Quinone, CEO of New York Power Authority, NIPA. That special episode titled Utility of the Future with Private LTE Networks was really interesting for a number of reasons, starting with the collective effort and professional collegiality that the utilities share, something commonly overlooked by the public. The grid is under constant threat from storm events to bad actors, even as rogue nation states attack our energy system all the time. Let's hear from Gil, as I think he sums up why the utility industry is so fascinating. And it's this concept of collective effort and collective action is part of our DNA. Whether it's helping each other in storm restoration or doing research and development through the Electric Power Research Institute, or now projects like this or initiatives like this, technology innovation, building a private LTE network. As Rob mentioned, we have a users group that 24 seven, 365 sharing ideas for the benefit of the collective. It's part of who we are. It's part of how we operate. So we're not only connected physically through our electric transmission and distribution grids, but we're really connected in many other areas. And that's kind of how we, we operate. Rob mentioned cybersecurity. Cybersecurity can only be dealt with if we have collective preparation, collective defense, and collective response, both amongst utilities, between utilities, and federal, state, and local government partners and technology companies. It's going to take that type of an effort because we are going against nation states. Great choice, Jason. I think it might be hard to top that one, so why don't we leave it there? For any listeners who think we missed out on their favorite guests or top moments, we'd love to hear from you. So head to the comments section of this podcast on energycentral.com and let us know what we missed. Matt, it has been a joy to work with you this past year. I wish the very best to the entire Energy Central crew who makes this show possible. Care to share to our listeners some of the highlights we have lined up for 2021? Well, without giving too much away, I can say we already have scheduled another utility CEO, a coming focus on most anticipated utility trends in 2021, and perhaps some of our fan favorite guests will be paying us a second visit in the new year. And as always, if you know someone who you think would make a great Power Perspectives guest, reach out to us directly through the Energy Central community platform. 
2021 will be another great year for all of us. Stay healthy, stay safe, and have a wonderful close of the year. Once again, I'm your host, Jason Price. Plug in and stay fully charged in the discussion by hopping into the community at energycentral.com. See you next time at the Energy Central Power Perspectives Podcast.